0: Welcome to the Maximum Theater and Performance Podcast. This is Jose Solis. Today, we're talking to composer Jaime Lozano about his career starting in Mexico and coming all the way to New York City where he's become one of the most prolific musical theater composers. We're going to listen to some of Jaime's songs including a premiere. So enjoy the show. Jaime, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I am really excited to talk to you because I'm a huge fan of your work. But I realized that I don't really know a lot about you know your musicals because I haven't really seen them. Like I haven't seen them. Uh, I've seen Children of Salt, so I was I was very excited because I wanna I want you to walk us through your life and your creative process and what the life of a Latino of a Mexican musical composer is like.
1: Sure, that would be a pleasure, so maybe I can get to know a little bit more about myself as well. You know?
0: <laughs> that's always, a, that's always yeah, that, the hope. Uh, why did you want to become a musical
1: composer to, to begin with? Actually, I don't know, I mean at that time, it was, I started, you know, the people who uh, are involved with art, usually they start with, with this like very early in their age. I mean, the dancers, they start when they are like four or five years old. Like a pianist, a musician, they start when they're like a three, four years old. So I, uh, for some reason, my family come from a very, very modest I mean, way of living. So I, I, weren't really, I wasn't really um, involved with arts when I was a, a, a child. Um, actually, I wanted to study... Um, criminology like uh, that i applied for criminology school i got, i got in and suddenly i decided that i wouldn't i didn't want to to do it i i was at that time like 17 years old so i, I waited one year and the next year suddenly i just decided i wanted to study music just like that i mean the <laughs> the only the only background that i had in some way I used to go to the, uh, at that time, I used to went to a church to a choir. So I, I, I used to sing like in, in, in the mass, singing with a, like, a, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I realized that I was, I was very good like, like singing and doing uh, different vocals, singing parts. Uh, but I started with that when I was like 16 years old. So that was the only background that I had before I decided to study music. So I started to study music when I was uh, 18 years old, and um, and I just decided, just I don't know, I don't know what happened. I mean, something inside <laughs> me just told me go for it. But I didn't have like like any specific reason to do it.
0: Right, and where where was it start? I should have started at the beginning. Like, where were you born, and where was all of this
1: happening? Okay, all this happened in, in Monterrey, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Monterrey, it's it's a city in the north of Mexico. It's not that far from Texas. It's like uh, four hours driving actually from texas uh, the state is monterrey nuevo leon Nuevo leon is the state and the state is border with uh with texas has a small border um and my family they come from a from a very small town uh outside Monterrey, from another um from another uh, town in another state from uh, coahuila saltillo coahuila um, so they came to Monterrey because it, this was this big city at that time. Uh, so they kind of migrated from their little town to the city to try to improve their life quality. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, all of my family, they don't have like a formal studies. I mean, they were they were like a, a secretary. They were like I have a couple of uh, cousins uncles sorry uncles they they used to uh, cross the border to work here in um taller mecánico de pintura, you know how to say that like a like a like a car shop like a car shop yeah. yeah um so every six months they used to they drive all the way to Houston, Texas, they were there, and every six months they got back with a lot of presents and uh, you know and chocolate and milky way and <laughs> and toys and all that for us so I come from a very, very uh, hard worker family, uh, that's why I, I, I weren't involved with, with art before that. Um, so I decided to study music, that was in 1997, mm-hmm. 1997, I was like um, 17 years old. So, and originally I was studying uh, singing, opera singing. Wow. Yeah, that was my first uh, major. I actually did half of the uh, vocal uh, uh, m- um, career. Wow! I did like two years and a half, almost three years. Um, and when I was in the f- first semester, they posted uh, auditions for a show in a school, and that shows happened to be Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> the funny fact is that when I was a kid. We have this uh, TV channel in Mexico, Mexico that they used to um, air the movie from the 70s every Semana Santa. Right. Every Semana Santa they aired that movie and I just remember that I got really bored about the movie. I didn't like the movie. Why are they singing? I don't like that. And I remember I I didn't like the movie. So 15 years later or whatever, I don't know. I saw these auditions and I decided to go to audition. I got in the choir, like in the ensemble, and that was my first ever experience um, with musical theater. Wow. So what kind of
0: voice do you have as an opera singer? You're a baritone, a tenor? I was a tenor. You're, oh, you're yeah, a tenor. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, inc- that's, really, that's really incredible. Like, I want to see you play, you know, like some, I want to see you at the Met sometime.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, another funny story that I did as an ensemble that, that that show. It was uh, a, a director. The university I was in, La Universidad Autónoma de Nuevo León, mm-hmm. the, the university of my state, they brought a director from Auda city to do this musical, and they brought as well like a very famous uh, Mexican performers. So the leads were uh, like a actual musical theater performers and all the students we are we were in the ensemble Uh, i got very close to this director i became like kind of his um assistant in some way and i decided to do jesus christ superstar in the shorts that i used to go Uh, and i directed and i asked him oh can you borrow me the costumes and the set and yeah yeah you can do that so i took a big truck and I moved all the costumes and set that, you, that we used for that uh, college production with these uh, famous uh, musical theater performers. And I direct the show with people from this uh, church. And I was Jesus Christ wow <laughs> of course if you're gonna
0: yeah if you're gonna do it you might as well get the lead right yeah exactly why not who were who were the who were the the performers that you know who were the big performers oh, that came to do it in your there's school there's a very
1: famous um woman co- uh, name Susana Zabaleta la mamá de
0: Paulina Rubio no no no, no. That's Susana Dos Amantes Dos Amantes la mujer de de sexo por el lágrimas
1: yes that one yeah sorry se me salió en español I love I
0: got yeah I was seeing her
1: and I love her anyway She's a, she, I didn't know she sang. She, she's an opera singer, actually. She, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. She, she was. Yeah, she was trained in Monterrey as well. She went to to la, this singing school in Monterrey. Then she became very famous because that movie that was a huge movie in Mexico, uh, Sexo, Pudor y Lágrimas, and uh, he played in Mexico City. He he did. She did. Sorry, she did. Um, cats. She did, uh, uh, what else? She just did a couple of months ago. Uh, no, not months, like half a year uh, next to normal. Wow. And who was the guy? Who were the men? The man was a guy from Argentina, actually. That He has been living in Mexico. Okay. He was one of the first uh, Jembal uh, in Mexico. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, so she was one of the lead in this production in college that I did. Uh, another one was Enrique Del Olmo. Mm-hmm. Enrique del Olmo was the very first Mexican Jesus Christ with, with Julissa. Julissa was uh, is this woman who translated musical from English to Spanish. And she's very famous in Mexico because she has done a, a Jesus Christ Superstar, a Joseph and the Amazing uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat, Greece, all that in, in Spanish. Um, and she's someone she's someone famous mom. Yeah, Julissa's right? mom is Benny Ibarra. Do you know who's oh, Benny yeah, Ibarra? Yeah, yeah. 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 She's oh wow. His, his, yeah, he, she's his mom. So this other guy, Enrique El Olmo, was the very first Mexican Jesus in the very first Jesus Christ Superstar in Spanish. Hmm. And he came to this college, to my college to play Judas, Judas. Uh, and uh, yeah, and like day two, they were like two or three more like like Mexican uh, performers.
0: That that is, that's so cool because I I I really you know like I, now I now I have so many questions to ask you and like I don't know which one to start with, because I what you know you said that you watched Jesus Christ Superstar when they showed it in Easter right, um and I wonder once you started liking musicals and once you became familiar with the form, did you suddenly realize like oh, wait, this song that I have known my entire life comes from a musical.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. The thing is, when I got, I got re- really close to this director, so I used to spend all my evenings in his office reading all the musical theater books that he has there, he used to have there. So I started, like, knowing uh, about all the other musicals um, and I immediately, immediately made this connection about how it was funny that I didn't like the format. I mean, this thing about singing when I was a kid, for some reason, maybe, I mean, because I didn't, I didn't have that exposure to it. I mean, I just watch it like once a year for a couple of minutes on TV and that was it. You know, here in the, in the States, I mean, all the kids grow up with that. I mean, they, they they do musicals in the since they are at uh, elementary school mm-hmm. so that, like all kids grow up doing musical theater here mm-hmm. uh, and in mexico we don't have we don't have that it's, it's, i mean just a few schools like a bilingual schools in monterrey that they're private very expensive schools do that but um, so i didn't have the chance to to know about musical theater when i was a kid mm. So when I realized, when I, now that I was um, 18 years old, and I started knowing about all these stories and how music, lyrics, words, set, costume can work all together with one purpose that is telling a specific story, I just was blown away for, for that. I mean, that's very powerful, having all that just when all that is in the same, in the same, on the same page, serving the story is just like uh, can change life, and actually change my life. And because I got involved with with with, uh, with this musical, with this show, and I started learning about all the shows, um, suddenly I realized that singing wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. That that I I wanted to do more than just perform the stories. That I actually wanted to tell the stories i mean to write the stories from uh, from nothing Uh, and that's the way that started i actually quit my singing career i mean my singing in college i changed my major to composition to composing but something happened at school at that time that they actually they were like um how do you say like they were changing the 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 syllabus Mm -hmm. um, they they were changing all all the classes. So when I decided to 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 change to composition, I had to start over, and they didn't uh, um, validate me any of the less any of the classes of the two years and a half any yeah. of the credits exactly. Oh wow! So I had I had to start over from the very beginning. Now uh, w- with a composition major. Wow. So yeah. I did a lot of years at school
0: because yeah. of that. That sounds like my story. Like, it took me eight years to finish college. Yeah, it was I the could, same for me. Yeah.
1: It was like eight, ten years to finish college because of that change that I decided to do. And because another few things that I decided to do. Uh, I mean, I, when I was at school, because I wanted to write and direct, I spent most of the time putting shows together, mm. writing shows. So I usually didn't go, I didn't go to school. Wow, well, I
0: don't I mean, like School's really boring when you can actually be doing the work yeah, exactly. that you want to be doing.
1: But the funny thing is, we have great teachers like, from Russia, from, like, from all around the world. Um, and the good teachers, because they know that I was good at, at what I do, they told me, you don't have to come to school if you don't want to. Just come, at the, just come at the very end of the year and uh, do all the tests, and we know that you're going to be fine. But the Mexican teachers that aren't very good teaching, they were the more like... Um, strict. And strict. they wanted strict. you to be there and every wanted, day. Exactly. And like that was be, funny. And I yeah. realized, oh, why we as Mexicans, we want just to pull the other people down mm-hmm. and these other teachers that they are supposed to be the best ones, they don't care if I come to... I mean, I'm like in every class. I mean, they, they allow me to... To go and do my my thing and then just come to do the test so so because that change that i did in my major and because that that i, I usually didn't go to school like like physically mm-hmm. i wasn't there all the time it took me like around 10 years to finish my my college
0: that's crazy so you know from that we are going to listen to the first of your songs that you brought us and this is a song from your musical *Tlalteolco*. It's called Kien Memorial. So let's listen to that, and we will be right back with Jaime Lozano. si Platerolco is your first musical that you wrote. And I am very curious about, you know, when we think about musicals, we usually think about Broadway musicals and musicals in English. And am I wrong in assuming that the shows you were mounting and that you were doing in school were uh, probably Spanish translations of American musicals? Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, the very first show that I directed it was like Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, Joseph, and the amazing uh, technical Technicolor code. Actually, I, I did by myself with the uh, um, English teacher in my college, because I didn't speak English at that time. But, but with her, we, sit together, we sat together and did a translation and adaptation of Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. That was one of the very first, um, that was in 2003. Yeah. 2003, we did that adaptation, Jekyll I, I did the very first Spanish translation of uh, the last five years. Wow. The actually, we have a friend in common, a mutual friend who was in, um, in that show, Mauricio Martinez. With me, I directed, I directed him in that show. Then I did also the very first Spanish adaptation of uh, Song for a New World. Um, what else? Yeah, that was the kind of musical I was um, like working. But um, as a creator, I have always known that. I mean, musicals is a uh, an uh, United States agency. You know, I mean, they created the format. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's not it 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 wasn't born here. I mean, musicals come from uh, it's a long story. Oh, we yeah. went all the way to the Greeks and all that to the opera and yeah. It's, it's, it's a long, long story back then. But the, f- the formula and the format as we know it today, it was like created here in, in, in the States. Um, and I have always known that I, was, I could be able to use that formula to create stories that were related with me. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, because of course I love uh, American musicals. I mean, of course I love uh, all the contemporary musicals like uh, Dear Evan Hansen, like Next to Normal, all that. I love the classics like Carousel, Oklahoma. But those stories, even in that specificity, they're universal, like very universal. Those stories doesn't appeal directly to me. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I have stories around me that needed to be told that's why i decided to to write about this this story about and i wrote this musical called tlatelolco it's a weird word tlatelolco it's um a plaza a park um, it's a park yeah how do you call it like, like a square like a, like a, a square. public square A yeah. square in, in mexico city that they when they actually long time ago, they used to have um, pyramids in there. I mean, the Hashtag, they have uh, they still have the ruins. If you go nowadays to Mexico City, to that uh, Tlatelolco Square, there are some ruinas. the ruins? The remains: yeah. They have some ruins in there. You can see that. And they built uh, a building complex around it. So at that time, uh, when happened this story of Tlatelolco in 1968, is this group of students that they get together to demand, or to ask to the government from about some necessities, about something that they wanted. Uh, And the government sent uh, the Ejército, the military force, and sent like uh, police people, but uh, dressed as civil people and they um, shut, shut down that um, that meeting um, in that it was very very um, and they tried to cover everything I mean, they actually tried to hit and everything was just a few months before the Olympic Games in uh, 1968 uh, so in some way they cover everything so it's this History event is not part of the, of the history books in, uh, in Mexico. I mean, and no one knew about it. As the years pass by, we start finding like photos, like videos, like things that, oh, this was really, really bad. I mean, they disappeared like hundreds of people. I mean, we don't know exactly how many people that we don't know what they were. They were now. I mean, maybe they, I mean, of course, they're dead, but but um, so I decided that this was a story that I wanted to tell, based on this and this phrase that in Spanish it said, pueblo um, que no conoce su historia condenado a repetirla."
0: Amen. Yeah, when the people don't the- know
1: their story, they're gonna, they're
0: doomed to repeat it. Yeah,
1: and so, it's true. Yeah, so I decided to write a musical that I actually call myself an anti-musical because it doesn't follow the rules because first it's a monologue it's just one um, character one actor uh, playing like different characters two the music is not the kind of music that you used to uh, that you listen in musical this music is salsa uh, reggae rock uh, it's like a mix of all that um uh, I relate, to, for example, Salsa, if we go back to the time, like with Ruben Blades, Ruben Blades, they start using Salsa as a medium to talk about serious issues, about political issues. So that's why I include Salsa in this, in this musical. And all the songs, you know, in a musical, usually they, they, they say you a school, that the song has to move the story has to move the story forward mm-hmm. i decided to do exactly the opposite i do it like in a very brechtian way uh, like like Bertolt brecht that he used to the songs are more like a pause like uh the story the story and everything stops and it's just a commentary songs about what's happening in the show but the song by, by itself doesn't actually move the story forward. Yeah,
0: they illuminate yes, a specific part of the exactly. musical. Exactly. Just listening to you talking about this right now, and based on what you said earlier about you wanted to be a criminologist. And Tlatelolco, from what you're saying, is your way of you know like getting all of this evidence that you weren't aware of. It, it's like putting a CSI musical in a way, right? It's like compiling evidence and information about crimes that... People in Mexico and people over the con- all over the world, I mean, don't know happened. And your musical is like testament to that. So I wonder if, if that was in any way, you know, where your interest in criminology met your interest in creating musical theater.
1: This is the very first time that I think about that. And, and it's true. It's completely true. I mean, now that you bring it up, I mean, uh, it's true. But I have never think about it. It's very, very related with what I wanted to do. I mean, when I was at high school and before college, I used to do these uh, essays about, uh, about criminals, about drugs, about that. Um, and then I, I decided I didn't want to go that way. But it's true how I, I started putting all that together because the musical actually is based on uh, real uh, testimonies. There are uh, like uh, several books in Spanish that people recollect put together testimonies from people that they were at that night or from people uh, like family relatives or friends of people who was there that night. So I started like doing the work to read all those books and putting all those um, stories together and then create this um, dramaturgy plotline. Uh, using all those real um real facts and real stories
0: so it's like a it's like a musical it's like a file case for all the evidence you compiled yeah and it's a it's a pro it's probably you know like not probably it's sure to last longer than a box of files in a police office right like of a course. musical lasts forever exactly. hopefully uh what was it like to have the, the musical mounted in in was it in, also in monterrey
1: it was in Monterrey. Yes, we actually have done. I mean, the very first production was on two thousand one. Then we did it again. Two thousand two, then two thousand four, and then two thousand thirteen. Okay. Wow! I mean, wow! Wow! Ha- it, it has had four productions in Monterrey.
0: That's wonderful. And then that you know,
1: after that, you came to to America and right. Yeah. Okay. I but mean, I actually, I think that. I mean, I, I applied for my university here in, in New York with that show. Oh, that's wonderful. So, before
0: we talk about your journey from uh, Monterrey, Nuevo León to, to New York, let's take a listen at one of your songs, one of the songs from your next musical that we're going to talk about, Children of Salt. So, we are going to listen to the title track from the musical, Children of Salt.
2: Lot's wife looked back. Because her heart was tied to a place A thought, a face Her memories deceived her She could have kept going i
0: What is Children of Salt about?
1: Okay. Uh, Children of Salt is actually based um, on a Mexican play. It's a Mexican play that um, won the National uh, Dramaturgy Award in Mexico in the 90s. Uh, It's by a very um, well-known writer in Monterrey called... Hernan Galindo um, And the story that he wrote This is not what the show is about But it's that the, the thing that triggers the idea to write the show Going back to the Bible in the Old Testament uh, When God decided to destroy um, Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. How do you say that in the name? Sodom and Gomorrah Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah, okay the same Uh, uh, the only the only thing I mean he asked to Lot Lot is this man who lives who who lives in Sodoma and Gomorra he asked him to leave the city and the only thing that he asked them not to do was when you're leaving the city please I mean he doesn't say please I don't know I don't know what he (laughs) said but he said don't look back, okay? Just go, go out, leave the city, but never look back. So he started destroying the city and uh, Lot and his family is going, is leaving the city. And for some reason, Lot's wife decided to look back. I mean, the only thing that God asked not to do is what she, does, she did. And when she looks back, she turns into a pillar of salt and the statue of salt, and then, I mean, immediately, uh, like what he said? you said, know, yeah, it falls apart. Like, falls yeah. apart. Yeah. So, based on that, Hernan Galindo, the writer of the Niño de Sal" play, gra- uh, wrote this story about a Mexican entrepreneur born in a beach in a. Um, Actually, it's Mazatlán in the south of Mexico that for different um, things that happened in his life, he lost, uh, he lost a friend, he lost, uh, um, he lost that woman he loves, and she gets married with another of his friends. Uh, she fights with, with his parents and his grandmother. Blah, blah. A lot of things happened that he, he decided to leave his town and go to the big city but every time the problem with he is that he's always looking back after many years he he decided to come back after almost 40 years he he came back to his town and when he came back he started to deal with all those things that he left but he, that he really never left mm. no so all those ghosts from the past starts to struggle with him again. And he needs to learn during the show, as we need to learn in life, that life is not about um, looking back, but learning to live our present and move forward. So the thing is, this guy, the, the character's name is Raul, because he was looking back, he was just a pillar of salt and wasn't able to move forward so that's like that story in a- right children of
0: salt was the first time that i was exposed to your music and i remember i remember as if it was yesterday going to the new york musical theater festival and i used to see almost every show there and after a while every musical becomes you know like all the musicals blend together and i remember going it was it was at the pearl right yes See, I remember going to the Pearl. I remember I went to the 7-Eleven next door and I got a soda. So I was exhausted. And then I went to Children of Salt. And I remember sitting and being like, I'm probably going to see, you know, like another musical that I'm going to forget about in two seconds. And then suddenly there was your, your music. And I, as a Latino living in New York City, had never listened to my, to me música on a stage. And suddenly you woke me up. Your music woke me up. And I, well, Thank you for that, first oh, of all. Thank you for saying <laughs> that. But, uh, but, you know, I, I'm really curious. Like, Children of Salt was the first musical that you wrote in America, right?
1: Yes and no. Okay. Okay. So if I go a little bit back, when I was in Mexico, I decided to apply. I, I was looking for a master in um, uh, directing, but in directing musical theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't exist. I mean, there's a master's program in directing theater, but not in directing musical theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I found this master program in musical theater writing that was like the closest thing that, uh, to, the, to the thing that I was looking for. Uh, this is the only program in its type in the whole world, and it's at, at NYU. Um, I decided to apply for that program uh, I have friends at that time that they helped me with the application. I did everything in Spanish and they helped me to translate to English and I apply. They called me for an, for what they, they say, the applicant weekend. So from hundreds of people, they they select like, um, I think we were like 40, 40, something. Wow. We came to a weekend and we have like a um, simulacro, like a simulation of what the program program was about so in that weekend the first day on friday they paired me with another writer that i didn't the first time that i met with with that person and we were supposed to present by sunday a song Um, so we have like a day and a half or two days to write a song Um, at that time i didn't speak any english i don't know how i was able to communicate i mean like with my if my English is not the best now, but at that time was like a, like a really nothing. I mean, <laughs> just like words. Um, so actually, we wrote we, we a song, in in English and in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I did a, I did one part. It was this song about two girls meeting that they suddenly uh, wake one once uh, um, they wake up in the same bed and they didn't know what happened the night <laughs> before. And one of the girls were Latina, so I, I wrote the Spanish lyrics for that girl, and the other girl was um, American. And um, and my, my partner in that assignment wrote the lyrics for that. Um we present the song on Sunday. That weekend I had meetings with the faculty just to talk about the school, blah, blah, blah. And we have meetings with the, um, how do you, is, administrative director right so the work of this director is to be sure that you have the money to to pay the school they asked me and you have the money to pay the school Uh, uh, yeah i'm gonna find i'm gonna get uh, some uh, uh, scholarships uh, in mexico blah 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 and they told me because we don't uh, we don't uh, have any kind of like yeah fellowship or scholarship we have this list. you want to apply for this like the like the Fulbright, the mm-hmm. Kellogs, all that you can apply for that if you want that's very very hard to apply for that. they asked for a lot of things so i didn't apply to any scholarship, and they told me that they they hadn't any scholarship so i i I go back to mexico no before i before I went back to mexico i I received a call that they sent me. The data, uh, you are in the program, we, we like to blah, 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 um, We're going to send you inf- more information by, um, by email and by actual mail. Mm-hmm. Um, though I went back to Mexico. I started looking for um, scholarships, like for like, grants or that to come to, the, to New York. And I, I didn't find anything. I mean, no one, or, mm-hmm. or I, find, I found like, like a, nothing, like a small amounts of money. Then they sent me an email that I got a a scholarship. I said, oh, that's weird. Okay. Thank you. Can you say me uh, what is the amount of the scholarship so I can keep looking for money? We we can't say that. Just wait for your letter package. Mm -hmm. Like one or two weeks after, I received the letter package and I got a full tuition scholarship to to be at NYU. Wow. And that was the reason because why i came to new york because i i mean another way i couldn't be here i'm telling all this because children of salt was my thesis Mm. at nyu so after two years the first year at nyu was different assignments they're pairing us with different collaborators and the second year was just one collaborator working the whole year in one musical that was in, this, in my case, shares of salt.
0: Well, I wonder if, you know, because now that, you know, having all of that in context, I wonder if you ever saw yourself in, in Raúl as someone, you know, like you went from, from Monterrey and obviously you love, you know, your country and you love your city, but now you're in New York, which is the capital of musical theater. And you're in New York and you realize probably, Jaime, if you want to pursue this seriously, this is the place where you need to be, right? And I wonder if you ever saw yourself in Raul, as in sometimes you find yourself like looking back and wondering whether you should go back to Mexico and go back to Monterrey. And if that conflict is at the center of Children of Salt.
1: 100%. I saw actually the play, Niños de Sal, I saw the play in Monterrey back in 2001 or two, something like that. Just a few years after I started uh, like knowing about theater. Before, I mean before uh, before 1998, I never go to, like, to a play or something like that i didn 't know that word. So after I started at school, I started going out I'm like going to concerts, going to plays. I saw this play, and I remember that I really liked the play. but I mean that was like 2001, and at NYU, my second year was in two thousand. Um, Eight, from 2008 to 2009. And when they asked, they asked us for two ideas. One, an original musical, and, war, and, and one, an adaptation. So I, I, I told to my partner, Lauren Ebsenhardt, to my, my writing partner, I know this play, blah, 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 in Monterrey that I saw. I would love to try to adapt and say, oh, yeah, yeah. Send me, I mean, let's look for the material. Let's ask for the ride. I asked for the ride. Hernan sent me the English version of the play. Lauren r- read the play, she loves it. But definitely everything was connected to me being Raul, being this character, being in this city. When I decided to came, uh, I had now, uh, I have now a fif- an almost 15 years old daughter in Mexico. At that time, when I came to New York City, she was two years old. So one of the hardest thing was deciding to, I mean, I, I wasn't with, with, with her mom. We were, we were apart. But just not being close to her and making the decision to come to, the, to New York City and not being close to her was one of the hardest part. The other thing was I didn't have the money. I mean, I have this full tuition scholarship, But, you know, I mean, rent is here is insane, insane. rent, food, all that. I didn't have money for that. My mom, I remember, told told me, even if I have to give my life, you're going to be there. And uh, and she actually did that. She she had a brain hemorrhage. two or three months after I arrived in New York City. And she never got back to th- from that i mean she died uh, at the end of uh, 2007, uh, s- no two th- yeah two thousand seven beginning of two thousand and eight uh i had to go back to mexico um i remember actually he had this uh, this brain hemorrhage. was um he was in the hos she was in the hospital uh, i went to mexico the doctor said i mean we don't know what's going to happen could she could die today tomorrow in one month and talking with my aunt and my brother they told me just go back to new york i mean she wanted to be there so go back to new york i came back to new york and that same night i was just landing here my brother called me you know what take another plane back because she just passed away but the same night i have to go back i stayed there and at school everyone was like up stay there all the time you need uh, I mean, you don't have to don't feel pressure to come back to school blah 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 uh, so i have to deal with with that and then getting back and always remember like almost thinking in some way guilty because my mom passed away and you know? oh maybe she got very stressed because she didn't have the money to send me blah 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 all that in your crazy mind right um, So I was, like, dealing and uh, struggling with this thing about looking past, looking back the whole time. And we still, I mean, we we are human, uh, Mm -hmm. and and we always do that in some way. I mean, we we always thinking, oh, I I should do this, or why I did that? That that was not a good um, decision, blah, blah, blah. Um, But at the end, those decisions are what made us what we are.
0: Mm -hmm. Listening to this suddenly puts uh, your song uh, from, from Children of Salt, Morena Cariño which I think is really gorgeous in a different context, like it feels, you know, like now it doesn't s- just sound like a song about romance and about a romantic loss, but a song about having your daughter and your mom who are far away from you and just singing to them and I wonder if uh, well, first of all, would you mind setting up the scene for us so we
1: can listen to Morena Cariño? Okay, yeah, okay this song is like that that love song between the two main characters uh children of salt uh, has this thing that has like a two different words there's one in present time and the other is uh, all the flashbacks so this song is a flashback in the show when they are just around uh, 17 years old and are trying are, are talking about love and about being with each other for ever and ever and mm-hmm. um, that then would realize in the musical that that doesn't happen that right um so it, it's a love valid but but now that you mentioned yeah it's a love valid not necessarily to a love interested Is i mean to a like a romantic partner, to a romantic yeah. partner. i mean it could be a, to someone close to you i mean to someone that you have always uh, in your heart yeah, yeah.
0: Testing your musicals and finding the
1: right singers to to sing your work? It's really hard. <laughs> we, I mean, t- talking about Children of Salt, I remember that we had a lot of problems. I mean, at the end, we have a beautiful cast and was just the perfect the perfect actor for every single character in that specific production. It was perfect. I really loved all of them. We became family right away. Uh, but, you know, Latinos, we don't have training in musical theater. Um, so there's a lack of training. Maybe some people, is gr- maybe we have great singers because all Latinos have great voices, like a big, big voices, big, beautiful, melodic voices, really, really strong. Uh, I mean, everyone sings in Mexico. I mean, you can hear like... a. The mariachis and all that. Everyone has like a big, big voice, but singing in that way doesn't mean that you're able to to tell a story, right. you know, or to act. So, um, Although that. I think there's the Latino community. I mean, it has been getting better and better every single year, as 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 we are now. But there was a time that that Latinos here were just people wanting to tell stories but not having the skills and not having the training to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can see the difference between, uh, s- between someone born in the States being able to go to that kind of school, like we have all musical theater schools here, and someone coming like myself from outside with a different training. maybe. Maybe with some kind of acting training, but but not in the way that is here, and not with the um, what do you say, like the, um, como el, el formato or the, 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 um, like, like like the formula that they use here. Yeah. Maybe outside a little bit more open. Right. And to do Broadway to tell stories is everything like very precise and specific it's not about feeling it's about doing Mm -hmm. so all all we as latinos are very very passionate and we are like a a very emotional and when we don't have the training to control that so we were not able to sing or we are not able to actually sing in tune or i mean so we don't have that training so find latino performers this was children of Sal was almost um, that was 2016 four years ago that show was four years ago um, we have a lot of problems of mostly with the with finding the character finding the actors to play the grandmother for example because that actress were from another generation mm-hmm. so we we couldn't find we find it finally but we have we strongly we really struggle finding a woman of certain age able to sing my notes that weren't easy, like high notes, high belting with Latino, very syncopated melodies with very tricky intervals. Uh, So I remember in the room, we we got like a great woman, like audition, but they weren't able to sing that. Or, or, they, or they can sing it, but they can act it, tell the story. So specifically, we have more problems with, with the older characters. Mm. Because you know, the young generations, we have people that is coming and training here and being trained here, going to school here. We have people from all around the world, República Dominicana, Puerto Rico, Mexico, uh, from everywhere, that they going to school here. And believe it or not, that makes a huge difference uh, in, in the training and the way that they, um, in their process. But I'm not saying that we have better, we can have better actors that haven't, are not trained here, but the process to put a musical together, if you don't have that experience and you haven't learned that, it's really, really hard.
0: It's like learning to be, I don't know, like learning to be something different. Like you're a painter and suddenly you have to sculpt. So it's like yeah, a yeah, different exactly. technique, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, I'm thinking that these actors, maybe these older actors, were, were in America, but they were not given the opportunity to be anyone. Exactly. On yeah, stage. yeah, yeah, like yeah. We yeah, have yeah, like Chita yeah, yeah. Rivera and Priscilla Lopez and like a few others, but it's a handful of people. Yeah, I mean, no,
1: now you can see on Broadway, like a, a bunch of, I mean, I wish we could we, we could see more. Yeah. But definitely there are more than that, that times. A little bit more, yeah, a little bit, a little more. bit more, yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of women, it's, I think it's a
0: perfect segue to talk about your musical, A Never Ending Line. And would you like to set up the song Mountain in the Sky for us?
1: Yes, um, so A Never Ending Line is a song cycle that I have the honor to collaborating with nine different uh, lyricists. All from the very different backgrounds. Some of them, uh, Latinas. I have a, a writer from Brazil. I mean, American Brazilian. that she's actually the writer of this song with me, "Mountain in the Sky," Marina Pires, and like her, eight more women um, with different stories that they wanted to to tell. So what I did was just be a facilitator uh, uh, to be able of tell the stories, uh, put music to the story that they, that they wanted to tell. But all are women's stories written by women with my music, but just to help to, to tell the stories. I mean, I, I'm not really that, like the protagonist there. It's their stories and those women. Um, this song actually is funny because I have this, I, I was, I am a huge fan of this, um, a musical theater performer, uh, African American musical theater performer uh, named um, Ramona Keller. She actually just a couple of days ago, yesterday I think so. She did a concert of Brooklyn. She was in the original production of Brooklyn, and they did, they just did a 15 years anniversary concert uh, of Brooklyn. So I remember that I loved this singer when I when I started like studying musical theater and listening to the OBCs and all that. And funny story that I reached to her by Twitter. Would you like to sing one of my songs? I want to write a song to you. I mean, especially for you. And um, she wrote back, she says yes. And I wrote a song with Marina for her voice, for her. And it's this recording uh, we're gonna listen right now. Uh, The song is Mountain in the Sky. about women uh, trying to find um, strength, like in a in hard moment, and uh, we actually have an album in Spanish, when recorded by 32 Mexican musical theater performers. And uh, late November, Broadway Records is gonna release the English version that includes this track. So this is like a premisia, like a, I mean. No one has listened to this track. This is the very first time they're gonna, those tracks are going to sound out there. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's a very <laughs> exciting. Let's
0: listen to that.
2: Oh, sweet breeze that touches deep inside. Your magical caress has made me realize a woman mustn't laugh. Instinct fall behind the mountain and the music. The only cure for days like this is sky. I've marked out every road, my compass pointing north. And I grow stronger with each step I'm taking Just like the climb I learn to take in every sight And keep on moving though your legs are shaking
0: really exciting and kind of surreal in a way you know like we were saying that you admired uh, this performer's voice since before you even left Mexico now being in New York City you have uh, maybe not at your disposal but you have the opportunity to have these people that you grew up loving closer to you and you get to meet your idols and you get to work with people you have admired for very very long time can you talk a little bit about what that has been like for you
1: yeah I'm First time, I never dreamed of being in New York City, and I never dream of being um, like on Broadway or, or that. I mean, because when I was a kid, I didn't even know that Broadway exists. I didn't know what was New York City, I mean, it was something very, very far. So I never had that dream. When I started studying by myself about musical theater, I started getting to know all these uh, wonderful performers, and even at that time, I, I never dreamed of getting to know them or working with them because it was, so, I mean, I didn't speak English at that time. That was another country, it was very, I mean, it wasn't really that far, but it was another culture. It was, I mean, something that I, I didn't know that I was, ha- I, I was able to get. I mean, so I never had that dream of being here and I don't know why, I mean, God or the universe, the energy, whatever people believe, led me to, to where I am today by acts, by decisions. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, I always say to, to when I'm uh, like teaching or something, uh, don't think about the final product. Don't think about the show. Think about now. Think about the process. I think for some reason, the process that I follow telling my own stories, I mean, just writing about Tlatelolco, that was the thing that opened me a door in New York City, because thanks to that show and what you got me and what you gave me, gave me this scholarship, because I decided to write a show about something personal, not personal, because I didn't was part of that but something about my country, something about my myself and my my arounds. Uh, so like my process, I have, I always try to to live my process hundred percent, like day by day. And I think that process has led to where I am now. Without even dreaming to being here, mm-hmm. because I think I'm f- even farther than I could dream at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I know that. It because this is a community, so it's just people like pushing each other in a good way. You know what I mean? Not pushing away, but pushing up. Like we all working together and pushing each other so we can get somewhere. And that's what I felt when I got here and I start meeting all these people. One of, for example, one of the very first people that I contacted in the same way that I did with Ramona by Twitter, I contact this guy I used to work at, at, at the office at NYU and uh, um, I happened to found Alex Lacamore uh, hmm. iChat email. You know, oh, let me ask him. And I asked <laughs> him to iChat and I start like chatting with him, hey, I'm Jaime, I'm from Mexico. I'm a student at NYU, blah, blah. And he get back to me and he replied, oh yeah, yeah. One day I decide to ask him, you know what, I love In the Heights, I love the show do you think that you can send me the score to study the score? And he told me, no, I can send you the score, but what if you come to the theater between shows and I can give you my score, you sit in the house and you go to the score here. And that was the very first time that I met Alex Lacamoire in the theater because he gave me the, gave me the chance to, to read his score. And from then, he started recommending me. Always uh, someone asked him, do you know a, a Latino composer? Oh yeah, Jaime. Or when Lin-Manuel weren't able to translate something or to do a work, they always just, oh, go with Jaime. So, and thanks to that is that I'm getting like this work or these gigs that have, has, um, that is the reason that I'm is t- still here. Um, so, in, in, in the same way that I met Ale, that I, that I met Ramona by Twitter, exactly the same happened with a lot of performers and a lot of people is now my friend, that I just wasn't afraid to reach to them. No? And, and I think that at the end, that, that's, that's life. and that's, um, Musical theater is about collaboration. And to collaborate, you need a networking, you need partners. And the only way to get partners is... is asking and reaching to them
0: okay so uh, with that said let's listen to another song from a never ending line this is called A New Day
2: a perfect life Searching for the way to be a perfect wife Searching for the person who will make it seem worthwhile Oh, 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 oh. figure out the woman that I want to be Figure out the things that really matter to me Figure out the happiness can start with just a smile So I'm taking all my chances I am living every day Spending the nights as though each one could be my last? I am through with second guesses Let the chips fall in Breakup song, counting all the times on summer nights I laid a blanket under the sky. Ah, ah, ah. learning how to be a mother to a son. i
0: Before before we start recording, you were telling me a story about the first time that you saw in the Heights, and I was uh, hoping you would be able to share it with our
1: listeners. Yes, that was actually 2007, six or seven, right? Like a few months before I I, um, started my NYU program. I remember um, seeing this flyer on the street. I took it. And I didn't know what was, what was the show about, and but the guy in the flyer, it was Lyndon Manuel Miranda, looks just a lot like my brother, <laughs> so I say oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to see this show just because this, he looks like my brother. Hey, let's see, I'm gonna go. I went to this theater. I think the name was 37th, 37th Street or 37 something of Broadway. I remember that the show started, and I started listening First day, f- f- they, they're dancing salsa, and I started listening to these Spanish words on stage in New York City, and I was just crying the whole show. Mm. Um, it was just just being able to listen to my language, like the language that I grew up. On the, what I thought that was like a very huge, important stage, was very moving to me, and then the rest is history. I mean, after that, in the height goes to Broadway. After that, Lin-Manuel became this big, big, big star and creative uh, artist, and then came Hamilton. And you know, now uh, thanks to Lin-Manuel, uh, I think Lin has helped a lot of us as artists. He has opened a lot of doors for us. Uh, he has um, raised the, the bar very high so we as artists can uh, learn from that, from his process, from all the people before us, uh, and definitely have changed a lot uh, What is what it means to be a Latino artist, a uh, musical theater artist. Mm.
0: I, I, you know, this is so interesting because I, I wonder, obviously you're you're still very, 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 very young. <laughs> it's not like you're like...
1: Uh. I, I look young, but I'm not that I young.
0: Mean, <laughs> but I mean, it's not like you're, you're, not, you're not Sondheim. You're like in your 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, what you've accomplished so far, like just listening back to your songs, and especially if you listen to them in chronological order, there is something, there's something that I find especially remarkable and It's the fact that you haven't lost your Latinidad. And you can, you know, like even when I went to see... Uh, the show that you, you, your musical director for Mauricio Martinez, and I went to his show at uh, Fine Feinstein's 54 below like uh, a while back, like two months ago or yeah. something, right? And even your arrangements have Latinidad in them, like your arrangements even of like standards, like American standards, so jazz standards. You put Jaime Lozano's, you know, Mexicano heritage and your Latino soul in the music, and I wonder if that's been hard to maintain because in america as a latino i don't need to tell you that people try to put us in the box and they try to like make us smaller and to fit what they think we should be doing so has it been hard for jaime lozano to remain jaime lozano in new york city
1: it has been hard I, I'm going to tell you why. Actually, I learned this from Lin-Manuel as well. I have learned that you have to be passionate about what you do and you have to be honest about what you do. That's, if, you are, if someone asks you about what is the formula to succeed or what is the formula to, uh, to create a great musical Broadway show, blah, 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 I think the formula is just being honest and being passionate about what you do. And the other step is being around by the the right people. Mm -hmm. So, uh, of course, I'm a composer. I'm a a musician. I can do a show like Direvin Hansen. Yes, I can. I can do a show like Phantom of the Opera. I can write music like that. Yes, I can. I can do a show like any show that you mentioned. As a musician, as a composer, as a writer, yes, I can write something like that but that's not me mm-hmm. you know what i mean I, when i i believe the art the art needs to be dictated by who you are where you're from and where you're at so i can right now jaime lozano even if i gr- if i write a musical about a century ago or, or like hamilton it's is really affected by what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So all the art as an artist is my responsibility, responsibility to be myself and, uh, and to try to create a change or try to tell stories that actually people right now can relate with in the same way I relate with those stories. So I can't write successfully stories about something that i'm not close to mm-hmm. even i can do it as a geek was a hard work someone can hire me maybe i can write a, uh, any kind of story but it's not gonna be the same right. so the only way that i can um, feel completely like fulfilled and even if the show Commercially, it's not successful, or even if doesn't get to as many places as I would like. The only thing that I can do is being honest with I with who am I and what I'm writing.
0: Right, you're also a trailblazer in many ways for you know musical composers in not only in Monterrey but all over Mexico and all over Latin America. Who you know, like you're showing people how far they can get and that they can accomplish whatever they want and you seem to be very good at keeping in touch with what's going on musically outside the states also and i wonder if you know if there are any people in your uh, you know that you are aware of who might be the the maybe not not the next Jaime Lozano but like people whose work we should be paying attention to latino and latina composers specifically that you admire who are in the wings waiting to you know for their big chance to break out
1: that's uh, a hard question. Talking about Latinos doing musical theater, I have a lot of very good friends, close friends that they are excellent um, performers on stage. Like, um, I mean, that somebody well known like Mauricio. I mean, my wife. I'm fan of their work both Mauricio, my wife. Um, doing musical theater as a writer, as a composer, is not something that is that we are um we don't have contact with that in our latinos countries um funny fact when i when i got to nyu i think i was the second or the third latino in all the history of the program wow before me were two cubans and uh, when I, I was cycle cycle i don't remember is 17 or, or 18 so in 18 wow. years I was a third Latino. After me, they got it. Got in another um, Venezuelan guy, a Venezuelan guy. He's amazing, he's a, Salomon Lerner. Uh, for example, he's great. He got, uh, I mean, I really love his work. I know that there's another Colombian guy. Um, yeah, there's there's people. There's not a lot of, a lot of people like train on a, and, and telling stories through musical theater i have the honor that there's this new book actually it's not it's not new but this is just out an updated version called a millions away from broadway i think that's the name mm-hmm. by a writer called mel mel atki mm-hmm. i don't know if that's the way you pronounce it a t k y and his book is about musical theater outside New York. That way it's called A Million Away from Broadway. So he went to, to Korea, to, Sol, uh, to everywhere. And I'm one of the few Mexican writers named in that book. Mm. Another writer that he's not a composer, but a writer called uh, Jose Manuel Lopez Velarde. He's, he's a great writer. He's a director, uh, but for example, his first two shows were jukebox musicals because he was uh, just a writer not, not a composer so he put together two shows uno, one is very famous in Mexico called Mentiras with uh, music for the 80s from the Mexican I think from uh, uh, yeah Mexican 80s music oh my god it's the name of the Mentiras. Daniela Romo song yeah exactly oh my god yeah. I, I need that musical That's on the Spotify, in my life <laughs> I think so. and his second show another jukebox was called Si Nos Dejan
0: ...como la canción de It's
1: actually for, uh, by José Alfredo Jiménez. Right, right, right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. mariachi, And that was a, a Mexican mariachi musical. Oh my God, how do we find all these? That's on Spotify as okay. well, yeah. So he, I think he, he has done a great job, like, doing musicals. And his most rec- recent musical was an original musical. He got together with a composer... And they did a very smart musical called um, El Ultimo Teatro del Mundo, um, the last theater in the world. Um, So, for example, I know about they in Mexico, uh, there's people trying to do it, but we don't have the culture in Mexico about, for example, like worshiping and readings and all that. Uh, in Mexico, some, someone is, someone writes something and just want to put it on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is my work, It's ready. Mm-hmm. So I think we are like a few years behind. But I try to go every single year to Mexico at least once. Actually, the last three years, I have premiered a musical every single year in Mexico as well. So when I go... Back um, back down there, uh, I try to do like workshops. I try to do like uh, master classes. That doesn't mean that I know that I know better than them. The only thing is that I know things that sometimes they don't have access to it because they are there. I was there. For example, I was when I when I used to do theater in Mexico. I used to do everything. I, mean, I was the director, the lead. I was the lighting designer, I was the set designer. I mean, that's the way you do it in, in Latin countries, in Latino countries, you, you do everything. Then you get here and you learn this word that is the most important word in musical theater that is collaboration. Mm-hmm. So when I, what I try to teach to the people when I go there, it's to collaborate. I think that's the key. Um, I'm very grateful for all the people before me like performers like Bianca Marroquín Mauricio Martínez Jaime Camille blah 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 Lin Manuel Alex Lacamo all Latinos have, have opened doors for us and I'm sure that we are just the very few or the very fierce people in a long line of Latino immigrant people coming to tell stories in the way that they're supposed to be told I mean like a clear, entertaining, smart stories. Que mm. Amen. <laughs> yes, amen. And uh, Jaime, thank
0: you for joining us. Let's wrap up this Jaime Lozano episode with your song, Te Sonier". Would you like to set up the song for us?
1: Yeah, Te Sonier means uh, I dream um, of you. I dream about you. It's a song that I actually wrote for a Broadway performer called Dorin Montalvo. She became a very close friend of mine. I produced her album um she, she made her broadway debut when she was 40 something don't remember the exactly the age after a long life of doing theater all around the states being great trying to do better you know like she's latino as well um born here in the state but a uh, latino family so um we were talking about he, uh, her album and we decided to write this song about dreaming about the stage of dreaming about being on Broadway. So this song is about something that you dream, that you actually uh, wish with all your heart. But there's a line in, in that song that for me the most important line in Spanish, it says, sueños se hacen realidad al despertar. Hmm. That means dreams come true when you wake up I mean you need to wake up and do something so your dreams come true and I think that the key in life I mean they, yes we can dream all we want but we need to make the decision to wake up and go out there and do things and do something so those dreams that we had just that night before can actually uh, become true.
0: And here is The Soñé by Jaime Lozano sung by Jorin Montalvo. Gracias, Jaime.
1: Gracias a ti, gracias.
0: so much for joining us for today's episode of the Maximus Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that are different from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Maximo. Jaime Lozano is at Jaime Lozano and I am at Jose Solis Mayen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximoisms. You can get to the store via Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. Thank you. Y que viva México, cabrones.